Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ACC tailgate Lawton Swan with you here on a Sunday evening, seven o'clock kicking things off twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. That's twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Thank you for hanging out with us again. A plethora of shows on the network uh, for fans everywhere around the world. Uh, Pac-12, Big 10, Big Big 12, ACC, SEC, uh, NFL, fantasy football, everything you could possibly want to get into uh, you can get into with us here on twitch.tv slash Football. Again, you can follow me, Lawton Swan, on Twitter at Clemson Sports. Again, at Clemson Sports is where you can follow me. I host a two-hour daily show covering the Clemson Tigers. And again, thank you for just hanging out with us and having a good time and uh, spending some time talking about everything going on in the world of college football, which we had some actual college football this past weekend. That was pretty awesome. I don't know about you, but getting a chance to watch the governess and uh, Austin P taking on Central Arkansas, always a good time. And I'm just double-checking the feed here because one thing that's a little weird today, for whatever reason, the way I have it set up, I couldn't hear the intro music. I don't know if you could hear the intro music, but I couldn't hear the intro music. But uh, we're going to rock and roll with it nonetheless, and I'm just going to say a little prayer and hope that you can hear uh, the audio because I had a chance earlier to sit down with uh, my good buddy Ryan McGee from ESPN to talk about uh, his new book, Sidelines and Bloodlines, and Ryan uh, does a tremendous job not only covering the Atlantic Coast Conference, but also uh, the SEC and college football in general with ESPN. But the great thing about Ryan is this. Uh, his father, if you did not know this, his father was an official in college football for many years and officiated uh, a lot of games in the Atlantic Coast Conference as well. So we're going to jump out to that interview. Ryan, welcome in to the program brother i appreciate you hanging out with us here on the acc tailgate uh what's going on buddy uh gotta make sure that i can hear him as well we'll fire that up right now ryan what's up man i appreciate it man i, I mean you know we're all just you know we're waiting 
right? And, uh, and, and, and But the good news is I think we're going to get some games kicked off. I mean, think – who knew we'd live in a world where Central Arkansas Austin P was like the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world? So because it just proved that we can play some football. So Not only that, but social distancing down. defensively on the first play led to a seventy-five yard touchdown. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What are the rules of engagement during this thing? Right, you have to stay six feet away from the wide receiver because I think maybe so. Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> let's get into it a little bit because you've been around this sport um, your entire life. And last time you were on, you mentioned the fact that you and your father and brother were working on uh, putting together a book, and that book's already out. And some people have already gotten it. Sidelines and bloodlines: a father, his sons, and our life in college football. Uh, written by Ryan McGee with his father, uh, Doctor Jerry McGee, and his brother Sam. Uh, all a part of that. So. We talked about the collaboration a little bit the last time you were on, but but what has it meant for you to kind of reach this point with this book, Ryan? Uh, it's the greatest, Lawton, and I, and I appreciate you mentioning. I, you know, it's um, you know, it, it has meant so much to our lives, and I mean, places like Death Valley have have were just pivotal places in our lives because, um, you know, that was the day it felt like the first time Dad went down to Clemson was the day it felt like Dad had arrived. Right, he'd worked so many small college games and so many north, you know, high school games in the Carolinas, and and then all of a sudden it was like, you know, I remember him coming. We lived in Raleigh at the time. I remember him coming back and going, guys, we thought we knew what college football looked like, but I have seen what college football actually looks like when he when he went down to Clemson for the first time. And so, yeah, those are our memories, and and the, 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 all these stories that the three of us have told, my, my father, my brother, and myself, and we've shared. And, um, you know, have told at the dinner table and told the touchdown clubs. And now this was an opportunity for the three of us to really, for the first time in my brother and I in our adult lives, for us just to sit down for hours together, you know, here in Charlotte where we live and just tell these stories and get them down on paper and, and uh, you know, finally share these stories that we've loved so much with um, and how much the game means to us, you know, with everyone. Now, what does your brother do? We, you mentioned your father's an official. We knew that from the last time. But what, what's your brother's role? All right, so my dad was a longtime university administrator. He's retired now, was a, was a college president. He was vice president at Furman uh, for years. But that's why I graduated high school in Travers Rest. And my brother is an attorney uh, here in Charlotte. He went to Yale Law School. So he went to Wake Forest and Yale. And my, So my father has three degrees. And my brother has a law degree from Yale, and then there's me. So that'll tell you that'll tell you where I rank. I tell them, I said, I felt a little bad because my name is bigger on the cover of the book than theirs. But the reality is, is that um, you know, everybody knows that in the in the uh, the McGee academic wars, I'm a distant third. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I understand where you're coming from. I think I'm in the same situation uh, by comparison to my sisters for sure. But hey, you know what? Every once in a while, you do get a little top billing, and it's a fantastic looking book, sidelines and bloodlines. Again, you want to check it out uh, by Ryan McGee, working alongside his father and his brother. So I was trying to figure this out, and I didn't want to cheat and look. Where what game is this? Like it, I can't tell what stadium. I see like uh, you know, on the cover. I see multiple yeah. Atlantic Coast Conference teams. It feels like this is an ACC championship game, but I can't quite put my finger on it. It's the inaugural ACC championship game. It's, okay, uh, Florida State Virginia Tech uh, down in Jacksonville, and it was the inaugural ACC championship game. And and what's crazy is I mean two things are crazy about it. Is number one, um, that's the only picture we can find of the three of us. Like together at a game. That's not true. We have one picture of the four of us when my mother was still alive. 
the four of us at the Orange Bowl, on the field in the old Orange Bowl in Miami. But that's the only picture we had of the three of us, um, you know, at a game. We were there so many times, but, you know, this is pre-smartphones. So, you know, you didn't document every five minutes of your life back then. (laughs) So we asked someone to take a picture of us on the sideline before the game. But what's the stories in the book, we thought that was Dad's last game. Um, Dad had – he knew he was – He'd been officiating in the ACC since 1982, and um, and he knew after 25 years, he's thinking, all right, you know, if I get this inaugural ACC championship game, that might be a good one to end it on. And so my brother and I both had little baby girls at the house, and we went to our wives and go, listen, we hate to do this, but we got to go to Jacksonville. And so we went, and we squeezed it in between our jobs, and we got down there and had such a great time, and, and, and it, was, it was a much better game than I thought it was going to be. And the game's over with, and we're in the van in the tunnel at the stadium at the Gator Bowl, and the officials ran off the field, jumped in the van, police escort back to the hotel, and we're just hauling butt you know, down the highway. And I'll never forget, reached over to shake Dad's hand and said, what an amazing career. And Dad didn't even make con- eye contact with us. He goes, you know, I think I'll do one more year. <laughs> and, and, and he ended up doing three. He ended up doing three more years. He, he worked. He ended. Up, he worked a, a, a Cotton Bowl, a Rose Bowl, and then his last game was the BCS National Championship game. So yeah, there were several times when we thought he was going to hang it up, and he didn't because he just loved it that much. And and, uh, and we're glad he we're glad he did it as long as he did. It gives you Ryan though a unique perspective. I I think on how officials are treated and you know. Uh, begrudged after games and, and tough calls that, that go against teams. I mean, has that sort of given you a, a different perspective when you're writing, not not a book, obviously, but articles about college football? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a, I think the whole last chapter of the book is about, you know, after Dad's officiating career, but how my career as a sports writer uh, has been shaped uh so amazingly by my experiences growing up in, in a house with a college football official and my brother, you know, we, we, we just watch the game differently. You know, when you talk to kids of coaches, they just learn the game of football differently. And when you, uh, when you're the kids of officials or, or the kids of players, you know, there's three teams on the field uh, is the way I, I grew up watching football, which is you've got the two teams that are playing and then there's a third team on the field and that's those officials. And, um, <laughs> you know, they work yeah. just as hard. They do the rule study. I mean, I wish everyone could see, could have seen like my dad running backwards wind sprints, you know, in the backyard. All the neighbors thought he's nuts, and the reason was because that's he was a field judge, he was downfield, so he he ran every play running backwards. And and so him sitting at the pool, my brother and I are playing in the pool, and my dad's got his rule book out with his highlighter, and he's getting ready for exams, and he's going to meetings, and every single week, all the local officials wherever we lived. We're having meetings and watching film and taking tests and, you know, having to take heart stress tests and having to prepare for the one-mile run and going to clinics. And, you know, and the payoff was hopefully you got a great schedule and got to step out on that field. So, yeah, you just learn the game differently. I mean, so when I was a kid, if let's say the NCAA instituted a new rule about, you know, kick returns or punt returns. And so Dad's going to explain the new halo rule, right, around the, the receiver. And and guess what we're doing? He's taking me. He goes, all right, Ryan, you're going to be the kicker turner. Sam, you know, you're a downfield defender. Go get your mom. You know, we need another defender. And here's the <laughs> ottoman. You know, and so th- that's how we learn football. And so when I watch games instinctively in the press box, I count the number of players on the field on defense because that's what Dad did. 
And if I know immediately if, if there's a substitution infraction. And I'm watching the game clock, and I'm watching the play clock, which Dad used to keep on his wristwatch, you know, during games. And so there's just little things detail-wise that, that I just I do instinctively because – you know, that's how we watched games at Miles. It's funny you bring that up. By the way, Ryan McGee with us from ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN McGee, talking about his book, Sidelines and Bloodlines, which you can put your fingers on. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. But, uh, Ryan, my nephew is a, a high school basketball official. He does that for fun on the side. And we'll be watching a game to this day. You, we start watching a basketball game. And there's like a big dunk, and he's like, oh, man, did you see that? And I'm like, what? He goes, the form when he called that charge. I'm like, no, I didn't see the form. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, that's a win. Now, I tell, I tell I, my brother talks about this in the book, about how, you know, our friends, our college roommates and our friends in high school and even our friends as adults, we see that as a victory. If, you know, I'm, when I was at ESPN right out of college and was working on Sports Center and on a, on a college football Saturday, you know, you're down in this bunker. We call it a screening. And everybody's assigned to a different game, and your job is to watch the game and cut the highlight and deliver it to Sports Center or game day or whoever. And so there's just amazing energy in this room. And I would love it when, like, the big Saturday night game, and most people are watching that, and, you know, there's, you know, uh, so and so throws a long touchdown pass. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, how did he get so open? And I'm like, how'd that back judge beat him to the goal line? You know, but, <laughs> but eventually, you, eventually you get them to, to realize, you know, how hard the officials are working. And so, listen, we're not – we write this in the book. We're not naive. Um, you know, we know where referees rank in the minds of fans. But, but the goal, and my goal uh, throughout my career as a sports writer, has been not to convince you – uh, that you should never boo a referee. My dad boos officials at games, but the, uh, <laughs> but you should you should respect you know what they do because um, believe it or not they're working awful hard. And and the reality is it's important that you say that about your family member because the the struggle with the officiating industry right now is recruiting young people because it's just not you have to put up with a lot, particularly in the social media era. And and, it, and, I, and I would argue a lot of times. I mean, one of the chapters in our book is. You know, if you can work Sigma Nu versus Kappa, you can work the Rose Bowl. Because when Dad started officiating intramural games at East Carolina, um, in a lot of ways, officiating those games was way more difficult than officiating Clemson, South Carolina, because, you know, you're dealing with drunks. And, and if you're, you, you're officiating high school football, you're dealing with parents. And you're dealing with crazy coaches. And so if you can get through those ranks, uh, it's worth it. But it's just hard recruiting young people to even, even deal with that. Again, check out the book, Sidelines and Bloodlines. Again, a father, his sons, and our life in college football, written by ESPN's Ryan McGee, his father, uh, who is Dr. Jerry McGee, and his brother, Sam McGee. Okay, let's shift gears away from the book for a few minutes, Ryan, and and talk about uh, college football and where we are uh, today based on what we've seen recently. Uh, The Big Ten's leadership has been called into question since they backed out of the college football season. Now there's talk that they might kick things off on Thanksgiving weekend and and all the, you know, everything that's going on there. Uh, Just sort of your thoughts on what we're seeing out of that league right now. Well, I get the emotion behind the parents of of the players. And it's not all the parents, you know, a lot lot of parents have come out and said, no, 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 we're on board with this. But, but the ones who are vocal and the ones who are marching and the ones who are writing open letters and getting petitions signed and filing lawsuits and all that stuff, I get the emotion behind that. Uh, Just like I understand the emotion behind players saying, you know, we want to play, which Justin Fields, quarterback at Ohio State, 
you know, kind of led that charge in the Midwest, and, and certainly a lot of the Pac-12 right. players did too. But the decisions made, man, that hay is in the barn, and and you can't unscramble that egg. And the reality is, their leadership made the decision that they thought was best uh, for them based on the information that they had. Um, and quite frankly, I think it probably is all going to even out. You know, I, you know, I have my questions about. And listen, I'll be there. I'm all in. There's no one – I'm not rooting for not having football. I, I, I won't, I, that's why I wrote a book. I love the game so much, and it's meant so much to me. But, you know, I have my questions about whether the teams in the ACC and the Big 12 and, and the SEC can get in the full season. And I am hope they do. Sure. But, but the reality is that I think it will all even out in the end. Um, you know, teams are going to play in the fall and they're going to play in the spring, and it sounds like we're going to have some teams trying to play in the winter. And by the time we get to, you know, next spring, uh, everyone's going to have played whatever games they can play. And so I, I get the emotion behind it, um, and I get that there has to be a Darth Vader, and right now that's the Big Ten Commission. <laughs> um, but, but at the end of the day, those decisions were made by the university presidents based on the information that they had. And, um, you know, different conferences see it a different way. But, but, you know, I hate it for them, but that's just how it is. Yeah, I, uh, I've stopped calling it a season. I, I, I've said we're playing a schedule. Right. I, I don't, exactly I don't, th- right. you know, it, it might, might be eight for one team and 10 for another. I have no idea, that's but it. No, that's it. And, and that's what I've told everyone is it's written in pencil. You have to go into <laughs> it knowing this is all written in pencil because, you know, let's just say, I'm not going to, I won't say an actual team, it's all right. State university, you know, all of a sudden they have a Florida Marlins type of outbreak. Well, they're going to have to park it for two weeks. And the team they just played is probably going to have to park it for two weeks. And so, you know, maybe you'll get those games rescheduled. Maybe you won't. But, but yeah, I've said this all a lot in the last couple weeks. When my daughter was a little girl, we used to say to her, you know, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. Exactly. And the reality is is if your team gets in seven games and that's all they get in, then uh, you get what you get and be happy with that. uh, Listen, man, you're all over it. I said the other day, I said, look, somebody's got to get that yellow popsicle. I mean, I know you didn't want it. But somebody's yeah. got to get it. Yeah, that's uh, it. No, it, 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 it funny? You think back to like April when we were just a few weeks into this thing and, and everybody's like, well, I, I will not watch baseball without fans. Yeah, you will. And, you know, <laughs> and this this bubble idea, this is dumb. This is dumb. No, it's not. You know, you, you'll take whatever you can get. Listen, I'm, I'm the biggest Indy 500 uh, fan in the world, and it broke my heart not to be there in person over uh you know that weekend there in the middle of august right but the reality is i was really happy that the indy 500 was even run so you 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 just take whatever you can get right now and just be happy that you know this is all ultimately a speed bump and 10 years from now we can look back on it and talk about it and write books about it and reminisce about it and be upset about it, but but um, you know we're just everybody just do the best you can do with what we have right now. Couple of more minutes with Ryan McGee here on the show today at ESPN McGee. All right, Ryan. So the AP poll still had the Big Ten and the Pac-12 teams in. I thought that was a little weird, but okay. Uh, the coaches yeah. poll came out before those two leagues announced that they weren't going to be playing. Here's my question: If they do start in November. All of a sudden, are those teams going to start popping back into the polls in their other little alternative season? And what do you think it will look like? I know this is a big hypothetical, but for the college football playoff committee. What I have told my much younger colleagues is that, you know, we're kind of rolling it back to like 1979. 
You know, I, I remember I remember talking about going to games with Dad. I remember we were at the Orange Bowl in 1990, and it was number one Colorado and number four Notre Dame. It was not the Rocket Ismail game. That was the next year. Yeah, right, uh, right. But Colorado was number one, and Notre Dame was number four. And we were it was at the old Orange Bowl, you know, the old rickety Orange Bowl, home of the Miami Hurricanes. And and throughout the game during like TV timeouts, the crowd would just start cheering at these weird times. And I realized it was all the locals who were watching Miami play, and they were number two. They were watching them play in the Sugar Bowl an entire time zone away. And kids, that's how it used to be all the time. And so uh, you know you kind of had multiple seasons going on because you just knew that if a Pac-12 or Big Ten team was number one in the country, they're going to play in the Rose Bowl. They weren't coming to the Orange Bowl. They weren't coming to the Citrus Bowl. They weren't coming to the Sugar Bowl. They weren't going to any of those games. And so back in the day, we kind of had these, uh, you know, ask Georgia Tech fans about it. You know, we kind of had these years where you had split national champions and right. big arguments about who was actually best, and that's kind of what we're going to have this year. And um, it's just the difference is uh, it's going to be spread out. If it all goes to schedule, it's going to just be spread out starting – you know, uh, starting this past weekend uh, with some FCS games all the way through, uh, you know, at the Big Ten and Pac-12 play all the way through the spring. Hey, maybe in the end we'll just be happy we had football for nine months. Ah, well, you know? I'm happy we had it, last, uh, I guess, what, Saturday night this past week, so that was yeah. good for me. Hey, we'll tell you again, <laughs> hey, you get what you get. And you don't pitch it. Hey, that's a great place to leave it. Again, the book, Sidelines and Bloodlines, A Father, His Sons, and Our Life in College Football. Ryan McGee from ESPN with us here today. Ryan, man, it's always great to catch up with you. You know, I, I should ask you this one other thing. I can't help seeing these Boy State commercials for this new movie that's coming out and, and not expect some sort of appearance from you. Yeah, well, I, I kind of got my feelings hurt. In fact, I didn't know about it. My daughter, <laughs> I took my daughter down to Palmetto Boys State. I, I get to speak to the Palmetto Boys State every year, and uh, I took my daughter with me two years ago, and so she loves it. We're going to get her involved in Girl State, even if it's in South Carolina, even though we live in Charlotte. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her there. And the uh, yeah, I'm like, why did they not consult with me about this? Yeah, I'm what is? Sure. I mean, is this about South Carolina? I haven't figured that out. Is it? No, I'm, it's about. Apparently, it's about like a the Boys State uh, out in Texas. Okay, and um, I can't imagine how many how many boys there are, but but you know, if you're gonna make one about Boy State, I don't see how you don't have Palmetto Boy State in there because it's the best. You, had, you, I go to any boys. I went to Boys Nation. And I talked to all my buddies that that I met back there and years ago, and they'll all tell you that South Carolina is the model. A lot of the states are struggling keeping the thing together, and South Carolina keeps growing. So yeah, I'm all about it. Hey, and by the way, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shamelessly tease the book for a second. Yeah, I, I'm not just saying this. There's so much Clemson in this book, and there's so much Danny Ford in this book. And, and I'll, just, I'll just say this. There's one story in the book where Danny Ford grabbed Dad before a Clemson-South Carolina game and accused two of the officials in the game of cheating, and they might have been. <laughs> and there was also another time when Danny Ford might have had a few too many drinks at the ACC officials clinic and crashed through a, uh, a coffee table in a hotel room. So yeah, that- I'm going to make you all read the book, but that's, there's so much Danny Ford in this book. I oh, love it. Ryan, thank you, sir, for being a part of the show, man. Look forward to catching up with you soon. You call me anytime. You call me anytime. Ryan McGee there with us here on uh, the ACC tailgate. Always good to get up with him and, and chat it up a little bit about college football. But I'll tell you who else I haven't gotten up with in a while, but am looking forward to getting up with him here uh, on the show this afternoon. I don't know how many of you ever – 
watched or listened to my daily show, Clemson Sports Talk. But my good buddy Lowell, the producer, is what we called it for many years, uh, joins us here on the ACC tailgate today. Uh, Lowell Idlet here in the house. Let's see if we can get him up and fired up and rocking and rolling with us. Lowell, what's up, buddy? How are you? Swanee, what's going on? It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been, but you know, it's uh it's almost college football season. I guess technically it is after the matchup yesterday evening uh between Austin P and, and Central Arkansas. Did you get a chance to check some of that out? Swanee, I watched every second of that game and it was <laughs> awful. It was a terrible football game, but it was football and I watched every second. Yeah, as we mentioned with Ryan McGee a few minutes ago, the first snap was uh, taken to the house, and then there was a, a bad snap over the head of the punter early oh. on. Oh, not one, two. Two bad snaps over the head of the punter, and then the quarterback punted for the rest of the game. Well, it was uh, it was college football. So technically, I was one of the people that said we would not see college football this year. I think it's probably fair to say I was wrong at this point. We've seen college football this year. We have seen college football. All right, so let's talk about the Atlantic Coast Conference again. I wanted to bring you on for this episode just to kind of dive into some of the things that we've heard over the the past little bit uh, in terms of getting ready for the college football season. And maybe the biggest thing and and most important thing, uh, this new rule with this year being essentially a freebie for players. I mean, what was your initial reaction to that news? My initial reaction was, what are they going to do with the scholarships for the coming years? Like, how are they going to manage? Like, are they just going to take away the scholarship limit? How are they going to do this? Because if you have 20 guys come back, what are the income and recruits getting? Like, how how are you going to distribute these scholarships? So I don't know how they're going to do that. That's my main concern with it. On the other hand... You know, you think you might get five years out of a guy like Trevor Lawrence in college football, and uh, that could be pretty exciting if he decides to to forego the NFL and stick around for five years. Well, and, and there are a lot of players out there, you know, that were weighing the option of coming back or not. And one of those guys uh, over at Georgia Tech is Tyreek uh, Carpenter. And he really didn't know if he wanted to play if COVID-19 was a part of things but now that they've given you this extra year, he says, yeah, I'm going to do it because even if he were to get sick or he's out, he doesn't lose this year if he you know, wants to choose to come back. And I think that's a part of this that we really haven't considered probably from the standpoint of a lot of players. It's not so much about, oh, do I get to play or do I not get to play? It's what if we start playing, I get COVID-19 and now my season's shot. This was a, a you know pretty big deal for a lot of players out there, I think, from that standpoint, too. Yeah, it's it's essentially a redshirt year without having to use your redshirt. So, I mean, I, I think that's that's really big, number one, for the younger guys. Um, you get a whole year of playing experience, and then you get that year back, and then maybe you can throw a redshirt on top of it for, for a little bit extra extra experience. And so, yeah, I, I think that's that's something that I didn't consider, and I think that's a very good point. Yeah, and again, earlier today, not necessarily – news out of the Atlantic Coast Conference, but out of the SEC, a big name, Jamar Chase over at LSU, deciding he's not going to play. I mean, that's a team that lost 18, 19 guys, whatever the number ended up being, to the NFL. And now you add what I'm assuming many consider to be their top wide receiver returning. Uh, you know, we're getting up to the starting point in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I know the SEC still got a couple extra weeks, but 
you would think that there's going to be a moment where these guys are going to cross a threshold lull where it's too late to to look back. I mean, you, you're going to have to play, I would feel like. I can't imagine guys walking away you know, the week of the opening game, but boy, Jamar Chase's decision today, that was a that was a significant one. Uh oh, did I lose you? Am I gone? There we go. We're good. There we go. Um, yeah, that would that was a really big one. And somebody put out a depth chart from before the national championship game last year against Clemson and Yikes. crossed out all the names that are gone now. Yeah. And it's like they have like six starters total coming back. It's it's wow. insane how many red lines there are through names. What does it say about them? And I know this is an Atlantic Coast Conference show, but what does it say about them that they're still considered a top five team by most people's estimations? Well, is that top five before the Big Twelve and and Pac twelve or yes. Big Ten and Pac twelve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think they recruit really well, so I I think that's a big part of it. They do recruit very well. They're always in the top five in recruiting, so I think that's a big part of it. But this specific team, uh, everything kind of lined up really well for them last year, and almost all of that is gone. So top five, maybe with with the other two conferences out, maybe they're top five now. Well, they were considered top five by most people prior to that. But I disagreed with that, but yes, they were. There was also a comparison between them and Texas A&M for a lot of people. And A&M still a fringe top 10 team in most people's eyes at this point. But I think there's a lot of skepticism about a top 10 Texas A&M team. And that you know, may be similar to the conversations that you are now having with me about LSU. Well, and and Jimbo's getting into to uh, prove it territory now, isn't he? He's gotten a couple years there at Texas A and Texas A and M now, and they haven't produced like they thought they would. So, at one point, do you uh, you start getting disappointed in that seventy million dollar contract that you gave him? Yeah, and you know, there's so much going on in the world of college football. Uh, you know, I, I you heard me there with Ryan McGee a few minutes ago. If the Big Ten starts playing Thanksgiving weekend, I believe I, I haven't pulled out the calendar, but I think there'll be, you know, f- maybe three or four weeks, maybe even more before the final college football playoff committee's rankings come out. Do those teams then get inserted into the AP polls and things of that nature, or is that a separate? season if you will and they wouldn't be there i mean what do you think i mean they were in now and they were out in the ap poll the coaches poll came out before as i mentioned with ryan mcgee the coaches poll came out before the big 10 the pac-12 backed out the latest ap poll was with them out but they're still ranked but if they fire up mid-season are they just going to be inserted into these polls even though look i i openly admit the ap and the coaches poll it might as well be the swanee and lowell poll it doesn't really matter correct but i mean what does the college football playoff poll look like at that point? I mean, it's a weird dynamic we're not talking about. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Is the committee going to get together twice a year for two different seasons and put together a Final Four? I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what they're going to do and what their solution is. Their best solution would be to just go ahead and join in right now so everybody's together, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be a be an option. Yeah, the the Pac-12s thinking, man, we might have a chance to make the playoffs. 
<laughs> in this little in this little uh, two league deal yep. that they'll be playing. So let me tell you about the uh, Chris Landry Twitch channel, everybody. Uh, again, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, LandryFootball.com. It's right there at the top. You can click on it from high school to college to the NFL, recruiting, scouting, NFL draft, free agency, pregame, postgame, fantasy analysis, inside scoop, players, teams, coaches, schemes. LandryFootball.com. Lowell, you're a fantasy football fan. You, you yep. ought to tune into some of the Landry Football uh, Twitch channel fantasy football shows. Who, I'm sure I will. Who is the stud you know, football player this year in the NFL? I haven't played fantasy football in so long. I mean, who's your go-to money pick in, in 2020 for, in the NFL? For fantasy? Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, without a doubt. That's your fantasy freak. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. And especially – this coming year where Carolina has no other weapons over yeah, quarterback. So, so you take a running back over a quarterback this year. I would, if it's McCaffrey. Wow. That's strong. That's strong. So the Atlantic coast conference, uh, is, has had some bad news over the past week or so. NC state students now off campus. We've talked about the breakouts at North Carolina and, uh, Oddly, the music that brought us in today, the fight song of the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame. I watched Rudy this weekend, and I see you got – is that your Rudy off, was offsides T-shirt you're wearing there, Law? That's one of uh, the shirts from Clemson Sports Talk. But, uh, you know, Notre Dame's had some outbreaks. We've seen this. NC State's taking uh, students off campus. But as players leave campus, uh, the bubble that's created, David Teal from the Richmond Times-Dispatch writes – Maybe the best hope for college football. I've been saying it all along. I've been saying it all along. Make these college students take their classes off campus. I know it's not a popular opinion for the students or their families from the financial standpoint because they're going to have to pay full, you know, the full boat lull. But is that the only way? I mean, in your opinion, that we really get through a college football season? I don't know how else you do it other than to put those players in a bubble. That's really the only way, and that means you can't have random college students bursting into that bubble. So the way to do that is to go online with your classes. And you've been watching the NBA. I mean, they've been fairly successful with it. I, oh, they you know, I, it. Has the NBA had an outbreak at all? No. Like a, not at all. No, no, they nailed it. And And what they did was – if you left the bubble, they established their bubble. And if you left the bubble, you're automatically in quarantine when you come back. That's yeah. it. So if you take one, one foot outside of the bubble, quarantine. And it's, it's kept everything in check, and they've had no outbreaks. You know, watching the NBA, too, the other thing I'll say, the bench that they have now needs to be the bench that they always have. I mean, it's absurd how tiny the bench is for these seven-footers. You look at what they have now, why would they ever go back? I would never go back to a regular bench. Well, I, I'm a fan of wearing the more casual dress for the coaches now other than you know getting in the suits and stuff. I think that's that's been my my favorite change. They should wear they should have to wear jerseys like the you know, like the managers in baseball do. That would be fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Can you yes. <laughs> Have Rick Carlisle in a in a Luka Doncic jersey? Yes. Exactly. Why not? Why do why do baseball managers wear the uniform? I don't know. You know, of all the 
you know, baseball is like one of the most like conservative traditional sports in America. And of all yeah. the sports, they're the ones with the, with the coaches wearing the, wearing the jerseys. It's very it doesn't make sense. Can you imagine if Dabo Sweeney had to wear a uniform helmet <laughs> all that on the sidelines, but I'll say this too, watching the college football uh, last night, the players had masks on the sidelines and, and I mean, they, I, I love the, the, the conceptual design low behind the player saying, hey, we're going to do whatever we can to make this work. And if that means we got to wear a mask on the sidelines, we're willing to do it. They just want to play. They just want to play. I love yep. it. Yep. Absolutely. Now, now, when we when we take a you know a bigger gander, if you will, at the Atlantic Coast Conference, we haven't had a chance to chat with you about this, but the league has put together, again, one one division, Notre Dame in. I mean, all those things we know. But if you walk down the line just a little bit further and we talk about what it could look like at the end, I said it to Ryan, you heard in the interview, I said, look, I don't see us playing uh, a a season. I see us playing a schedule. And I don't know that teams are going to play all their games. I think there's a chance there could be multiple undefeated teams. Um, that's one of the tiebreakers, you know, the the teams with the best – uh, winning percentage will be in the ACC championship. But really my question to you on that front is, how do you see this thing breaking out from the Atlantic Coast Conference standpoint in 2020? Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina, is there anybody else at this point that you would say, hey, I think I'll see them in Charlotte in, in one of two dates in December? They've really got to prove it, but Miami has all the talent in the world in, in order to get there, but they've got to stop doing things like losing to Georgia Tech, which they did last year, just unthinkable against that Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets team last year. Miami has all the talent in the world. I think Manny Diaz will will end up showing that he's a pretty good coach, but he's got to show it soon. Um, really, in terms of that top tier, yeah. I think Miami's probably a, a step below those three you mentioned, Clemson, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. I think that's really about it in terms of top tier, but I will say across the board, I think this may be the strongest the ACC has been since maybe like a year 2014, um, where I think you had four, five, six, nine win teams or better uh, in that season. I think this is a strong top to bottom uh, year for the conference. Going back to that NBA topic, our buddy Seth says Lou Williams was the closest thing they had to an outbreak. Yeah, when he got outside the bubble and uh, went a little went a little bit crazy. I'll be honest. I yeah. thought when when the NBA thought about shutting things down a, a, a week or so ago, I get, well, it wasn't even a week ago. It was just earlier this week uh, after everything took place uh, up in Wisconsin, I, up in Kenosha. I, I think that you know there we got to the point where you saw that these guys might actually draw a hard line and, and not come back. But according to reports, LeBron James and uh, other guys talked with uh, former president Barack Obama about, you know, the social justice issues and their platform and the way to, you know, to go about having their voices heard. And uh, here they are back on the court playing and the games have been really good. Uh, one of my buddies, actually Mark Childress, a good friend of mine was one of the virtual fans uh, today. <laughs> he was a virtual fan. At the he game. pull that off? I, you know, he, he works for Microsoft and apparently that's a Microsoft deal. So I'm that's sure funny. there's, I'm sure there's some sort of rigmarole to get you in, but uh, have you considered 
being a you know trying to figure out how to be a virtual fan, I've actually thought it would be kind of funny. I I thought it, I think it would be pretty cool. Do I you pay? Cool. I think so. I think you do. But you got you got plenty of money now. You're gainfully employed. Mm. What a way to burn some of it. Rolling in it. <laughs> speaking speaking of rolling in it, the Clemson Tigers in the Atlantic Coast Conference have been rolling in the national conversations, Lowell, uh, as they always have over the past four or five years under Coach Dabo Swinney. Minus Ohio State from the Clemson perspective, boy, it feels like you've really opened up the chances not only for Clemson to play in the, the college football playoff, but maybe even more so. They don't they don't have a Heisman Trophy winner in their history. And with Justin Fields gone, boy, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, I looked at the the odds the other day. Trevor Lawrence has really skyrocketed to the front of the Heisman Trophy conversation. Yeah, it, it doesn't really feel like there's there's much in the way anymore, does it? The only thing that really feels like it's in the way is maybe his own teammate in the backfield, Travis Etienne, maybe <laughs> taking some of his shine away. But in terms of players on other teams, Justin Fields, it, it was really 1A and 1B with, with Lawrence and Fields. And now, who is it? Now, you may have a situation like last year where a, a Joe Burrow comes out of nowhere. You always have that one guy that seems to pop up out of nowhere. But right now, it seems like a one-horse race for the Heisman. Giving Lowell a little solo shot there. I haven't done that yet, so I thought did it did it did it did it freak you out a little bit when I give you the solo? A little bit, a little bit. I'm I, I'm I'm on the whole screen now. That's weird to me. I don't like it. Oh uh, well, you know what? You're a whole screen kind of guy. <laughs> Again, uh, Lowell, you can follow. Get what's your Twitter account now, Lowell? Is it still at Lowell CST? Yep, there he is. You oh, can follow. Is loyal. You can't <laughs> you can't hardly say the word loyal without saying Lowell. So there you go. All right, the Atlantic Coast Conference, final thing here because we got to get out of here today. The Atlantic Coast Conference will begin coronavirus testing three times per week uh, during the season as part of their enhanced set of medical protocols the league announced on Friday. You know, this is, I think, probably part of the reason you've seen some leagues fall off. I'm not talking about the Big Ten and the Pac-12, but smaller conferences. I mean, the cost of testing for COVID-19 is huge, but – uh, you know, right now in football, one test must be performed the day before kickoff, and it must be conducted by a third party. Uh, the ACC selects, and then another test must be done 48 hours after the game. So, again, will we play a full slate? Who knows? But you can see by an increased amount of testing that the Atlantic Coast Conference, no matter what team you follow, no matter what team you root for, they're going to try to make sure that they're as safe as possible for these young men. Well, and one of the things that I don't want to get too far off track here, but I'm hoping really, really starts to to come out is that saliva test. I don't know if you, you saw that they had developed a saliva test that gives you results within hours. And hopefully they can get that widely um, distributed because that would be an absolute game changer in terms of staying on top of it and avoiding outbreaks and actually getting through a season. Yeah, I, I think, too, the other thing that we – that we have to kind of watch on this. And and I think this is going to be key for college basketball season and beyond is if travel affects you like getting on, let's say, let's say you go and play a game. And again, I think this is hard to determine. Let's say a player catches COVID-19 during the game or gets infected. Then they get on a airplane, a tube for three hours with lights, ventilation and all that. And then you get back to your home campus and maybe in the next day or so, 48 hours, you test. And now you got 20 guys that are sick. 
I mean, because I've seen theories or, or conversations about basketball moving to somewhat of a bubble and like geographically locating them in large cities. Which, by the way, Winthrop University, one of those uh, proposed sites for a bubble for college basketball. So there is a chance that, you know, if travel becomes a major factor for COVID-19 spread, I don't know how you, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist or whatever you call those guys that deal with viruses. I'm not somebody that knows about how things are spread and picked up. But I think if you can determine beyond a shadow of a doubt that the infections came during travel, you're going to begin to see more and more conversations like you just mentioned about placing basketball in a bubble because of the success we've seen with the NBA. Well, for the ACC, it would be easy, wouldn't it? Just go to Charlotte where your ACC championship is. Wouldn't that be the easy call? Big, big enough town. Yeah. And, and I mean, for crying out loud, if, if elementary school kids can do virtual, if college students can do virtual, then college basketball players can go into a bubble in Charlotte or some other large city. And, I mean, you you can have great games in the Atlantic Coast Conference in basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. great games. And there's multiple universities and multiple venues you could use. I think the best thing about what they've got in Orlando, though, is the fact that it's all in, in you know housed in that one area. So, Lowell, man, thank you for joining us on the ACC tailgate today, man. I hope we get you back on uh, over the next couple of weeks as we move towards the college football season. Yeah, I was glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's still weird, though, that the fight song I had to play coming in was Notre Dame, wasn't it? Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Well, we're about to run it to get us out of here, too. I like <laughs> to start it the way I finish it. So here we go. The Fighting Irish. The Irish fight song, what do they call it? Victory March, I think. I don't even know if I can hear it, but I'm playing it. I can hear it. Great. <laughs> Sounds good, then. We're out of here for the ACC tailgate for Lowell Idlet. I'm Lawton Swine. Y'all take care. We'll talk to you next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.